0: You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to, I don't even know how to start this, it's been so long. Uh, welcome to a Life in Roads podcast. This is episode 116. I'm your host Carl Togover, and I'm joined by my co-host Connor Johnen. David's not here right now because he's up in the north excavating giants and mammoths beyond the wall. So he could not be here with us today. We miss him. It's uh, It's been a while since I've been on, and uh, Connor has been has been faithfully holding down the fort during my my absence, and it is just amazing to see your face today, Connor. How are you doing, man?
1: <laughs> oh, I'm just doing fantastic. And we do investigate the careers of those li- living a life in ruins, in oh, case yeah. anyone <laughs> else missed that. You, <laughs> I simply, have so did, you, you, you did so well otherwise. So no, it's it's really good to see you, and it's been, yeah, it's been It's been hard because you've, you've been in the middle of nowhere. So it's like, we've basically not had real phone contact for like, like it feels like a month.
0: I have been MIA for quite some time. And what had originally happened is I just did field work. I was helping with the University of Colorado, Boulder, and Augustine University field schools. And I was told ahead of time that we had access to the internet there. So there's two internets. There's the guest and there's the password protected one. That's really great. I was told we finally had access to the password protected one. We were lied to. We did not have access. It was the wrong password. And any more than two devices are on at the guest Wi-Fi doesn't work. Trying to tell 31 college students to not be on the Wi-Fi is a difficult task in itself. And so we were unable to record. I only had service at site, which is on top of a bluff. We were staying down uh, down below in town in a floodplain. So I, I had like zero access to anything that mattered regarding this podcast. I had no control. Like we had a plan. Connor handled it super well and like trying to reschedule folks. I just couldn't. Get on! And the one time I was going to go to the bar that had Wi-Fi to do it, there was a tornado in town and like knocked out all the Wi-Fi and service. Like it was just, I was I was being told to leave this alone and let David and Connor run it and run it. They did,
1: (laughs) and we sort of we did we did some things. We interviewed some people. It was really a sad thing because even when you were in Ukraine, like you would talk to us like most nights. And it's, like, not that we're, like, codependent anymore, but there is, like, this, like, oh, I'm going to talk to David and Carlton today, and they're going to send me memes and make me happy, but no, I just had to deal with David and his, you know, lack of planning and... (laughs) <laughs> Insane I, had, and crazy
0: life. <laughs> I had better cell service and access to internet in Eastern Europe than I did in small town Nebraska. Um, that is true. These are, these are facts. Yeah. But uh, otherwise it was like a really fantastic five weeks. It was amazing to get back out to the site that I was promised to have worked at for the past three years and which we, we haven't been able to for two because of the pandemic. And so I, I was, you know, grateful for the opportunity to get back. So, well, uh,
1: where is this place at? We give us give us the location. Yeah. What what were you guys doing?
0: Yeah, so we were working at the Lynch site, 25 BD one for all those who know Smithsonian trinomials at uh, Lynch, Nebraska, which is in Boyd County in Northeastern Nebraska, just South of the Missouri river in South uh, Dakota. So really up there up in, in a vacant part of Nebraska where primarily there's like one high school in each County and they have enough people to do eight on eight football, you know, so Lynch population like 210. And when, 35 people roll up, the population expands by, you know, a fifth. So it's a small town. Absolutely lovely. And I know for those that listen from the University of Wyoming and elsewhere, like you're used to these small town communities, you know exactly what we're talking about. The site itself is part of the uh, Plains Village pattern. It's Ancestral Pawnee and Arikara, which we'll get to. And it's um, the most dated site on the Great Plains, thanks to me and Dr. Bamforth and Dr. Carlson. And it's also the largest site on the Great Plains for the 13th and 14th centuries. So it is a place of very immense social And uh, social change as well as changes in settlement patterns. So there's some really intriguing things going on at Lynch that have connections to the Mississippian world from from Spyro Cahokia and up into um, Oneota territory in the Great Lakes. So there's some something crazy going on up there, you know, 700 years ago. That uh, eventually leads to, I um, mean, you know, the Pawnee and Rick nations. a couple, you know, two, three hundred years later. That's awesome. As, as like a measure of size, like how many bars does it have? to two Lynch? Lynch, Nebraska. It has two two bars, and technically Ooh. the bowling alley counts. So each <laughs> so there's there's Bubba's, and that's whose shirt I'm repping. Bubba, Bubba's Tavern. Love Bubba. Bubba is a huge fan and supporter and quasi. Lynch
1: Nebraska, right? Yeah. Stopping quasi, Bubba's.
0: Quasi uh, sponsor of the field school. Everybody has his hats and shirts. Like, you know. Um, there's the KK K and K bar, and uh then there's the bowling alley. And so uh yeah, the Double K Bar. So, um, it, you know, Double K Bar, you know, you go there and they got Bud Heavy and they got Bud Light and that's that's it. <laughs> Bud you Heavy. Know, and a pool table. And then uh, Bubba's is way more, you know, full bar. You know, it used to be a restaurant prior to the floods in 2019, which we've talked about before. You know, it used to be a pub. And so, like, way more way more alcohol choices like very much it it reminds me very closely of um oh gosh i can't think of that there's a uh an analogy an analogy for for laramie to be honest but it's like would it be like the Ranger? no i think more like um what's the one with the bullet holes buckhorn Yeah, Yeah, I I think so. So, I mean, like, very much wide variety of drinks, um, mixed drinks. They also do pizzas, which are fantastic. It has a beer garden and sports bars. So we were there, you know, during the Stanley Cup finals, man. Like, all of a sudden, the small town has, like – 20 something Colorado kids and we're all going crazy at the sports bar while they're all just trying to relax after a hard long day of, you know, um, agriculture. And we're sitting there just like screaming, go abs every time there's a goal, you know, it is like, and you know, and locals would comment how we bring life back to the community because it's not, you know, most people who are young, once they go to college, you know, they don't, they don't come back. They stay in Lincoln or Omaha or, or somewhere else. And so all of a sudden they have like 30 young people in the town who are enjoying the town. Like there's, a movie theater in town. Like surprisingly, each one of these little towns in northeastern Nebraska has a has a thing that they so one has the grocery store, Lynch has the movie theater, so they all kind of depend on each other for economies. And Lynch has the bowling alley. So even though it's a town of 220, it has amenities that you know similar to maybe you know Laramie, to be honest. I'm um, just cool. no fast did, food. Did you see Top Gun? Did you get private screening so of Top did. Gun? Is that so, what I hear? Yes, yeah, so like actually. <laughs> I, me and my brother saw it before we left, but then when we got to Lynch, Bubba, who owns his name's real name's Brad, he was so excited we were back because I love last time I was there, me and Bubba just really hit it off. He was so happy we were there and like was really interested about the archaeology. He drove down after seeing us pull up and like I hugged him. he was like, "Hey, Top Gun's in town. I can get you a private screening. Who wants to go see Top Gun tomorrow night?" And they're like, we it out. Like, let's do this. And so like, he was so happy we were back he works at the movie theater too. Like he's an all around town, man. And so the next day we were like, oh, by the way, we have a private screening and the students were like, who is this man? I'm like, that's Bubba. You'll get to know him. And yeah, it was fantastic. Tickets were like three bucks. (laughs) <laughs> a bucket of popcorn was like three dollars. Like students were like, "These are prices." I'm like, "This place is magical." Like hell, Wednesdays at Bubba's was all day happy hour, so beers were like two fifty, shots were three dollars. Like, I spent an obscene amount of money at these places because everything was so cheap, and you're just like, "Oh, well, this is worth like four beers in Colorado." So it was an amazing town. They were super welcoming. We got a, you know take part in bowling tournaments, shuffleboard tournaments. I really love that. That play, part of Nebraska is a very special place in my heart. I spent a lot of my time outside of excavation actually connecting with locals. They seemed to like me. I hit it off real well with rural folks. I just turn on, just bring out the good old Virginia and start talking to people about, you know, you know how's the deer hunting this year? Like, how's everyone doing? And just like get into that mode and make connections. Because even though I'm leaving I'm to go to Indiana, northeastern Nebraska is still going to be... I still want to work at that area. There's still so much we can learn. And so it's important to make those connections. And um, we've Steve Holland is from Lynch, Nebraska. uh, We've talked about about so much. Steve Holland is from Lynch. His ex-wives are from Lynch. And so he came to visit us and I got to know Steve so well. Like I've met him before, but like he came up and we really got to talk because he's the reason why people in that area love archaeology because they know Steve. So they're not worried about us. And so everywhere we go, people ask, "Oh, do you know Steve Holen?" We're like, yes, we know Steve Holland. and it was it was like really fun to actually get to know him on a personal basis, and because he actually did a lot of pony archaeology in his early career before he got into mammoths. And so, you know, we <laughs> talked about his Ceruti article, and uh, we and, and we had really good conversations about it, and and some of the experiences that he had at UNL when NAGPRA was passed. It was like. You know, it really opened my eyes because we've talked about him on this podcast in a very particular context because of the article was, you know, rather it had it had uh, uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking big for? Connotations are big. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it had. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There were some repercussions from it. But like <laughs> getting to know the man himself and, you know, you know, talking to him about like, why did it take 20 years to do this? And he's like, I had to wait. You know, it was really, really contextualized it. And I actually look at that article in a much different light and what he was trying to actually say. And the boundaries he was trying to push. And now I appreciate it more than just what I thought it was. So, I mean, it's, it was just another one of those opportunities that made me reevaluate, you know, how I think about archaeology, how I, you know, think about the articles I read, because there's still humans behind them. And so, and also yeah. to get the students to, I you know, when we were outside talking, it was Dr. Bamforth, Dr. Carlson, and, and, and Steve, Dr. Holland, just talking. And it was like one of those, like, you've been there when George Frizen talks and with other professors, you don't say anything, you just want to be in that atmosphere and i was like grabbing students i'm like this cool. is a conversation you need to be next to and just shut up and listen i was like throwing them all this. so now there's this whole circle of students and they're all like why are they here i'm like just fine just talk we're not here just think we're not here just keep going because i i've reflected on those same things with like when Frizen and 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 and, and marcel and bob that, you know you're just yeah. you just you just take it in because those guys aren't going to be there forever and those are the experiences that you'll remember and just the things they were talking about was like things you don't you don't normally hear professors or professionals talk about. So, so yeah, especially cool. I
1: think like com- conferences and like, you know, being in the field and meeting these people and having those conversations are almost better than reading their, their lit works. Cause they'll give you like, you know, the literature, their our articles go through a certain amount of, 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 editing changing whatever but if you want like the real truth from a lot of these folks you need to have those conversations and whatever context it is i mean i would i'd love to have steve on the podcast and have him talk to us about this you know if we want oh, yeah
0: i think that like, would be great yeah yeah he was think, such yeah, those a cool cat those
1: are those are the like, important conversations like you were mentioning he, man he
0: showed up with like frozen watermelon and a cooler full of beer You know, he's like one of those old school cats. It's like, you know, like here I am, this is me. And like, he just genuinely cared and he still loves the field. And like, I actually got to sit down and talk with him about his Pawnee work. And he's like, and he, and he cares about it a lot. And like the first thing he saw my tattoo and saw the cross piece pipe and hatchet, he's like, you're Doug's Pawnee student. Like he knows that shit. And I was just like, Oh yes, yes I am. And he was like, let's talk. And so it was like, Outside of the mammoth context, you know, I was like, yeah, sweet, man, because he because I, I cited his stuff from like the 70s and 80s. And he uh, he just got a passion for large hairy elephants that, you know, he just he chased, you know. So, yeah, there's I mean, he
1: was the curator at the Museum for Science.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. Denver Denver Museum. Museum. Like, I've been like I've I've been following For forever, him. Right? Yeah, yeah, I've been like following <laughs> him this man. And and it was just kind of cool to see and he was just like, you know, he was like, "Stop chasing me." Cuz I was like, "Oh, Dr. Steve Nash says hi." He's like, "How does Dr. Steve Nash know me?" I'm like, "Oh, well, I'm his postdoc." He's like, "What?" And uh, you know, and so it was really it was a really fun experience. He wasn't the only visitor. Like, we had folk, the retired state archaeologist Rob Bozell show up, many members of the Nebraska um, archaeology program departments at History Nebraska. And uh, we also had, um, we invited the Pawnee and Ricker out for site visitation for a week, which just went. It was just absolutely phenomenal um, to have them out and participate. And so, like, it was a really busy five weeks. To be honest, like I like I'd been sleeping so much. I didn't realize like how it just felt like a rodeo, man. I didn't realize yeah. like how tired I was until I got back. And, and you know, even it's weird, though, because like I swear to God, the air conditioner, I hear it whispering like sign my form. Oh, you see this <laughs> artifact? And I'm just like, Jesus, it's still in my head. <laughs> and, you know, you but that's like
1: from, the nice thing about like field work is that you, you you're fully engrossed in it and you're just there. And you sleep well and everything goes well when you're in the field spending that time, it feels like.
0: It was so cool. We had such amazing students. In fact, like I didn't learn this until like the fourth or fifth week. One of the volunteer editors of the APN, Laura, is it was one of my students. What? like she yeah, I didn't it was her partner was like by the way Laura listens to a life in ruins like all the time and she works for Chris she edits podcasts I was like why didn't she say anything and she's like I you know they were you know explaining well maybe she's just shy about it and I was like Laura you and she yeah then once I approached her about it she's like I love your show I listen to every episode I want stickers like I work for Chris and I'm just like what well, we could have been talking this whole time about this like why did you wait till now so huge <laughs> shout out to uh to Laura for being an awesome. Not only an awesome student, an amazing student, but, uh, you know, a fan of of the podcast. Yeah. And then uh, some of the students did mention that goddamn Hangover Trench Naps album. And so uh, that came (laughs) out and uh,
1: (laughs) there will be a picture that will make the Instagram at some point of Carlton doing. a dirt nap I think at some point we'll hangover
0: yeah hangover trench it was, <laughs> it was they they were dying laughing because they're like why does this exist and they were going through the songs and they never got to uh, Clovis Paradise though they were they, oh. they listened to they listened to the really bad ones and were dying I'm like you guys should probably listen to Clovis Paradise because that were ancient aliens idiots like that one's pretty decent that's the gem that's the gem so it, oh. it is, is it? <laughs> And but they were also blown away like the other thing that was annoying like do you know David Howe and like they would show me Post from Ethno, and I'm like, yes, I know him. He's a co-host on the podcast. So I'm like, what? And it was, was like I, 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 was, him. <laughs> I was telling them like because he, he was supposed to visit at some point. I'm like, David's coming, David's coming, David's coming, and then he never came. Like every time I told students like something was coming, like the Pawnees were supposed to bring TP's at one point, those never showed up. Like David was supposed to come, <laughs> he never showed up. So I got to like stop promising some of these things. But overall, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was quite a five weeks. It was it was. In terms of excavation, like the heat index we had up there, I mean hell it was it was a lot at times, and uh you know, I got a really kick ass flip flop tan got a victory victory v's on my feet right now. Because my zeros, they broke the first day and I was wearing flip-flops, which is fine. Everyone wears flip-flops in the Great Plains Archaeology. Uh, that is the wildest
1: yeah. tradition that I've heard of. You know? <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like and we, we, were, we were sending you know pictures to like friends out in like the the mountain west or the southwest and they're like plains archaeologists with like we were barefoot most of the time. you know like once we had the trail stamped away and you't and you could see where the cactus was, it was like who needs who needs shoes?
1: Are you um, are You guys like the Jimmy Buffett? You're just like doing Margaritaville in the middle of Lynch the man, We were playing like you
0: should have heard the playlist we had going on, man. Like we, you know, people would visit and they're like, is this a beach party? Because, you know, we're digging in Pleistocene sand. We're all, you know, wearing tank tops and like short shorts. We're all barefoot. And everyone's just, you know, at some point it's delusional from heat exhaustion when it's over a hundred degrees, the heat index is 115, 20 mile per hour winds. So there's no shade and everyone's just a little loopy at the end of the day. You know, <laughs> it just, it became, it, it's, it's just, it's just Lynch, Nebraska, man. And then we all go home and we have a swimming, like it's crazy. It's, it's like a summer camp. You know, we'd, we'd excavate all day, go home, hit up the pool. The bar was only allowed on weekends though. There was no bar, outside of that. You only went to Bubba's Wednesday nights and we made it count, but bowling alleys free. Like, you know, it's just, it's different. It's a different experience that I'm used to at Wyoming. That was for sure. But it, it, uh, I don't think that lessens the experience, right? Cause I mean, at the end of the day, I I think like some CRM crews, like, yeah, you can't, but like the vast majority, you know, it's your, your, your hold up somewhere. And what matters most is maybe not necessarily how long you can stand in the tent, but and we did have people tent. I can't, like, you had the choice of a room. We had our fair share of tent canters, including Laura. Shout out to Laura. So uh, it's just a different experience, but they did so well.
1: Well, and this has been quite the experience. And we're going to end this segment right now, episode 116 of a Life in Ruins podcast. Thank goodness David isn't here. We miss him. RIP.
0: <laughs> Thank goodness, but we miss him. All right. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to the Saddest Podcast on the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is A Life in Ruins. Carlton is here. David is not. Thank goodness. Um,
0: <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
1: oh, man, you missed it. Every time you would, we mentioned your name in the last episode, I would go, wah, wah, and do the sad trombone.
0: I really like the um, the CRM Survival Guide. <laughs> it was pretty good. It was that one was fucking, the one that you guys did before that, I couldn't understand the guest at all. We were playing it in the van on our way to the groceries. And all the students were like, what is this man saying? And I'm like, I have no idea. Well, that's like part because like Vinny's
1: Italian. And then he's. Exactly. Well, like he had the, like, the worst microphone and it, we just couldn't make it work. So he had like a, a PC microphone. So yeah. we're sorry for all those folks. Like Vinny's awesome. We'll have him back on and we'll do it properly. But. Because we talked about the archaeology and, and there might be, because it's so new and the stuff you found this summer, it might not be a great topic and it's probably going to be a topic of many conversations in the future and, and whatnot. Could you explain kind of in general what you see and what is what happened at Lynch and what makes it like kind of so important besides it being that- like the first site in Boyd, Cow- Boyd County?
0: Yeah. First discovered site. Yeah.
1: First discovered site. That's wild. Yeah,
0: I, I wish I could talk about what we found, but like, I have to wait. We'll present it at Plains in Oklahoma city Plains conference this year. And you know, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just at the moment, a graduate student assistant, like I'm part of the project, but I'm not the PI. So I don't want to, you know, I'm so goddamn excited to tell everyone what the hell we found, but we just can't, um, we can't, we can't, we can't, but generally Lynch 25 BD one, the site is over a mile long. It's over a bluff overlooking and Whiskey Creeks. It's over 200 uh, acres of property. Uh, Based on the analysis that I did in, in one of my articles, Shield Chief et al, 2021, Bayesian Analysis of the Chronology Lynch Site, it's a single occupation site, contemporaneous with one another, and it is this coalesce. It's part of what we call, it is the first site of the initial coalescent variant, which is a taxonomic unit describing basically the coalescence of plain horticulturalists into these centralized towns. And they really are towns, right? There's a not a, co-
1: not a COVID variant, right? It's not a disease. Not a, co-
0: not a COVID variant. No, 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 not a COVID variant. <laughs> okay, but, okay. You know, there's, that, there's that prevalence of calling anything Indian like a village, but- if you look at what we know about modern excavations of Troy, based on its size and population, Lynch is larger in both, and Lynch Troy wow. is a city, right? So this is really a town, if not a small city. A population estimates: roughly six thousand people lived here, and, and potentially more. It is seems to be a bunch of people from central Nebraska, northern Kansas. Cane here. They have Central Plains tradition for, you know, square wattle and daub houses, which we think they might be thatched roof. We're not quite sure. But there's also pottery styles that are coming in from the Great Lakes. So there's this mixture of locally made pottery that's Central Plain tradition, but what we call oneota. And the term that we've coined as Central Plains Oneota folks. So there's something going on there, either ideas or people are, are up there. We haven't seen Oneota houses quite yet, Oneota style houses, but there's a lot of people up there. That is the first time that this has happened, northward on the Missouri River, the initial middle Missouri, is, is they're doing something similar, ancestral Mandans and Hidatsas. It seems to be a, a response to maybe a, a, a drought. So these people are coming together and, and forming something that that then becomes Pawnee and Arikara. And the history of the site, there were excavations in the 30s. They were Civilian Conservation Corps, I believe. So not WPA, but the opposite one, CCA, C. Mm-hmm. They dug these. You can see them on Google Maps still because they didn't backfill them. These two huge trenches. So we were excavating <laughs> in between them to look for a house. We did magnetometry, which was conducted by uh, Adam Weevil. And uh, so he we magnetometered damn near the whole site and over, you know, over ten thousand anomalies that we had to sort through and and see patterns, and so we were pretty positive we were over top of a house, and that's what we were trying to excavate to. Dude, we found I we we found over a dozen projectile points. Only one was incomplete. The the rest wow. were complete. It was crazy. We found like two preforms that were finished, and like a bunch of finished uh, plain side notch points, mostly Smoky Hill Jasper, which is like southern Nebraska, northern Kansas. Like it was, and and also um, I think it's White River Group up in the Dakotas. Like beautiful points, really immaculate pottery. We found unfired clay, and it was and it was just dense. It was just crazy, and uh, you know we had thirty-one students. Because we haven't, neither CU Boulder or Augustana have had a field school in two years. We have basically a backlog and we had to, we had to pick of the litter. So we basically, there was only one freshman. The rest were predominantly seniors and juniors. So we have mostly adults and it showed because even though we had 31 students, it was the best crew I've ever had. And I've been doing field schools for like six years now from Wyoming and CU Boulder and Fort Lewis college. Like I've done... I've seen them. <laughs> like I've been around field schools. Like I know how this <laughs> operates. And these kids were just immaculate. And uh, and I shouldn't say kids. Uh, you know, adults. They were just. They listened. They paid. Like and they just did such a wonderful job at excavating, and uh, in, in close quarters too, and uh, in conditions. I think I mentioned last time. Like we got we got a week where it was over hundred degrees and with humidity and the wind was so strong we couldn't tarp so like they were they were in it so we would do work from 7 till about 11:30 we'd break for lunch get back to site around like be back by 12 so and then we'd work till 2:30 o'clock to try to avoid the heat as best we could were you just sampling one one
1: house area yes and how many t- and how many times has it how many places have been
0: sampled on Lynch
1: yeah somewhere? yeah because yeah. it's always like you said it's a it's a mile long site like so how much Testing has really been done there.
0: So there was the 1930s excavations that were you know just like shoveling it out. There was another excavation I think in the 60s, and then another one in 2008, and then Augustan in Augustan in 2018, Augustan Institute Boulder in 2019. But it's been sampled a bit. We, there's just so much we don't know about that site, and it's just it's just it's just crazy. Originally, we had different expectations for. We thought we were going to. Open, basically test, get the students with this the house that we were looking for was it was enough under the surface that it would allow the students time to practice excavation to get down to it. Once they got down to it, we'd be able to open up another like maybe up to two more excavations. That didn't happen, <laughs> so we <laughs> stayed in the same spot, and uh, so we weren't able to do our original plan. And and we, you know, based on what it, what it, uh, what we had discovered in the field, you know, radically adapt our game plans. And I really have to give a huge shout out to Dr. Carlson and Dr. Bamforth for being able to do that on the on the fly like that. So we uh, continued working. We, uh, you could tell I'd, I'd been out of the field for a little bit because, like, we had you know how we have the arbitrary datum set up at first with the stake. Well, one was getting loose and I was like, what should I do about it? Everyone's like, oh, well, just sink it in further. So like none of us. You know, thought about it, so I was like, "All right, let's just hammer it in." And then all the sudden like, "All of our measurements are wrong." I'm like, how are the measurements wrong? And it was like this: "Who's on first Thing we're like, we had been. Out- <laughs> it was like such a stupid mistake. We're like, oh, we sunk in the datum, so they wouldn't get loose. So that's why our measurements are absolutely. Fine. The elevation control <laughs> is not under control, <laughs> but we fixed it. <laughs> but it was like we were freaking out for a little bit. It was just like. You know, Doctor Carlton. Like, Carlton, didn't you take a sledgehammer to one of those? Like, yeah, because it was falling out. Oh, that. Yeah, <laughs> oops. <laughs> You know, just like included, it's COVID right it has to be COVID like <laughs> and they're like and, you know and they're like oh, it's okay i haven't been excavating it two years like actually I ran a field school last year at Fort Lewis College like I shouldn't know better than to do something this stump but we caught it and fixed it but it was just like one of those goofy things because I you know I, I asked everyone like what should we do about this can I just sink it in and like no one thought about it you know because we had not had the total station up yet if the total station was up it wouldn't have been an issue yeah so it's just, it was just, it was, you know, it was a little goofy. I think one of the most, I, I don't think I know one of the most transformative aspects for those students is that we had the Pawnee visitation. And so originally we had over like two, three dozen people registered to come, but because of gas prices, many can afford it. So we had uh, about a dozen, including Matt Reed, How? Shout, shout out Matt Reed, who's listens to this podcast. He was on one of them. I don't have my yes. phone near me, but he was <laughs> he, definitely yeah, on he, the podcast. He, he is on the podcast <laughs> and still listens, uh, him, a cousin of mine, um, uh, Phil Gover, one of the Phil Govers, Phil Gover, the third and Aaron Prim, his son, Felix. And also there's a bunch of Pawnee interns at the crane trust in Nebraska. Cause we, that land is being deeded to us. So there's a bunch of interns out there growing corn and they found out about, so they came and visited. So they were there with us and you know, we got, they got to excavate, they got to see the site. We toured them around the whole area showing where all the other sites are, why this matters. And like the look on Felix, who's, you know, a kid, like get to excavate and then like be a part of that. I was like, I think he's going to be one of my graduate students in a decade. Cause that kid was just blown. And there's another part of the site where there's eroding pits and like Felix really wanted a a projectile point and they're eroding pits. So it's like the context is gone. And, you know, our, our view of it, including Dr. You know, the, the PIs is like, if, if anyone, if this, if those objects belong to anyone, it's, it's descendants of the, it's the Pawnee. So we went to these, um, Roding pits. Everything's washed out. Context is gone. And sure enough, it was a day after it rained and we found a complete side notch point. And Felix was so excited when he got it. He like threw it in the air and lost it in the grass for a little bit. And it was like <laughs> freaking out trying to find it. And we're like, we're going to hold on to that to you, bud. So when you, when you get home and you know, it was just such, we you know, such a humbling experience to have them there for a week. We fed them. I made fry bread and it was like, they were giving me so much grief for my fry bread because they're like, you know, usually, you know, your auntie or someone makes this and this is your first time making fry bread. So they just loved like heckling me on making Indian tacos. I got a bunch. It was like, you know, it was a bunch of these like field school guys. Everyone was super excited to have the Pawnee. You know, we even had a day. Um, they were there during one of our days off and we said like, hey, you know, you don't have to because it's your day off. But like if some of you would like to volunteer to come open the site so we can show it to the Pawnees since not, you know, 31 of you will be in there. And like half the field school showed up on one of their days off. Like a lot to to reopen the site and work for a morning. We didn't do a full day. We did a half day. And like a lot of the students like reflected on that and just like, no, this is amazing that they're here. Because like before they showed up, I did this whole talk on indigenous archaeology and why this is important and explaining them like inviting a descendant community out is an outlier. Like this doesn't happen. Like you, there might be like tr- there might be like a handful of other student- schools across Canada and the United States that might do this. But like the fact we're inviting them for a week and we're hosting them, that just doesn't happen. And so the students were like, wait a second, why not? And so had this whole talk with them and explained to them Indigenous archaeology and and mostly the history behind some of the stuff. And you know, we cedared the site and I explained to the students was like, you know, 50 years ago that would have been illegal. And they were like, you know, and really kind of contextualizing, like the work that you guys are doing here matters, and I think a lot of them really felt that. And especially, we had I had three indigenous students, so two were descendants—one's descendant Crow, one's descendant Lakota—and then the others um, Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma. And it was this weird for me. It wasn't weird. For, I don't know how to describe it. It's an interesting. I mean, it's 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 not something
1: you experience every day.
0: Yeah, it's not something. <laughs> and, and 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 there was this. Uh, I didn't favorite them, but there was a mentorship role where I was explaining to them, like, I'd kind of take them aside and be like, this is why we're doing this. This is what's going on here. Like, these are things to think about, And especially for the um, Cherokee, the Cherokee, you know, I saw a lot of myself in her when I was undergraduate and like really kind of took that to like chat with her. And we, you know, had really honest conversations about what it's like to be indigenous in this field and some of the things that she's been facing and really kind of, you know, do my best to give some sort of advice and mentorship that I didn't have, right? You know, coming into not only, you know, I really didn't have it until I got to Boulder. And even then, like later in my career, mm-hmm. it was this weird, you know, I, I haven't had a, po- a real, I have had a postdoc, but not that real postdoc experience where you, There's that time to go from student to teacher. Like I, uh, you know, as Dr. Robinson told me, is like my learning curve is going to be steep as shit when I get to Indiana. And I felt a bit of that when I'm like with the indigenous students of like, this is why we're doing this. Like this is how you need to protect yourself. This is how you navigate this world. I really hope like it, you know, as we were talking, I I think I, I, a couple of them really got inspired to pursue anthropology beyond and I hope I get to see them maybe at IU as one of my students best I can so that was like that whole experience and the day after the Pawnees left man and and we did what we need to do and, and we had and we did some stuff like the whole prairie came to life the yucca bloom the prairie roses came out like the whole and it was it was cool the wind came back the temperatures dropped and like the whole prairie opened up and like students were kind of wigged out by it they're like what happened and like for me and for the indigenous students it was just like, oh, yeah, this is what's supposed to happen. But for like some of the other students, they were like, is this witchcraft? Like they were like, you know, they they it was it was a very interesting like clash of worlds. And for me, I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is what needs to happen. But it was just such a cool experience. And, and I don't know how to describe it. And like to see how grateful everyone, all the Pawnee participants were and like as we were posting photos, the folks that didn't make it were like envious and even when I posted the announcements, I only got like one negative comment. I thought half the tribe was going to burn me at the stake as a witch, but like everyone wanted to come. And so, I think next year I'll be in a position to write a grant to like hire a tour bus. And also, I'm really trying to get the the, the rickaras down, man. If they don't have a casino to stay at, you know, they're they don't they don't you know they're a little bit you know, <laughs> tent camping. Are you kidding? You know. <laughs> It's hard. To it's hard. Fair, to... I,
1: I, I look like I look like that right now. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to convince our northern relatives to like come down and you know get in the mud, for, you know, for good reason. But it was, you know, and it, it also, I think, was a critical part in, you know, finishing the dissertation and like trying to get everything done. And, got, you know, it was that week long experience reminded me of why I do what I do and like affirmed that I need to do what I do. Is that um, going to give you fuel to get, the, get these next couple of weeks? Oh, together? yeah. Is my that- computer crashed. I didn't mention oh, that. Yeah, my oh. laptop died like two weeks in, lost all my dissertation data that I was working on. So... I'm scrambling right now to get things done. And I'm like, I have an appointment with IT tomorrow to like pray to the technology gods to salvage all the work I did. Oh, dude, it was like, you know, but it happened during that week, the Pawnee came and it was like, is this a, you know, part of me was like, is this, a, you know, to focus on what I need to focus, you know, it was just, that's insane. that was, I, I like f- cried when my computer died like it was and then of course i got it fixed kind of i lost all the data but i was able to get access to it like two weeks later all it took was one it guy with a brain to be like oh here's your code (laughs) i was like are you kidding me (laughs) yeah
1: and on that note that's your code to (laughs) uh listen to chris webster talk about some beautiful things that we're selling here so this is episode 116 of a life and run podcast we will be right back Welcome to episode 116 of a life in ruins podcast. This is segment three. This is the segment where we tell you that we will not be doing this podcast anymore. Because Carlton's got a big boy job, Connor's losing his mind, and David's a nomad. So it's been great. It's been fun. Maybe we'll make it to one seventeen. We'll see.
0: We jokes, think, jokes, I, yeah, jokes, totally we just, jokes. We just signed. We just signed a new contract with the APN. I think <laughs> we're kind of locked in. I think. I think the goal is like let's get to one hundred and fifty, and then see where we're at. It's kind of the way that I am looking at it. Yeah. yeah so
1: I, you have uh, a couple things going on yeah. in the next couple weeks, right?
0: Yeah, I think one thing though is I might, I love Bart. So I, I have no bartending training, but like Bubba let me bartend one of the nights and I <laughs> loved it. And you know what I made for the students? Buckets of audio. Sm- like I made buckets of them and so they saw me on them the night before like why how did Carlton do that so quickly and I'm like AMFs and they were just like what is this and I was like explaining it to them and they were like and I was like yeah because everyone at Wyoming knows me as ordering the crazy drink and everyone gives me grief for it the next night bartending and uh, everyone's ordering, and we had buckets of them because the the weekend prior was Lynch's reunion. They had a high school there. It's like their huge alumni week, so there's like a thousand people in Lynch. So Bubba's goes hard and does like gets extra different beers, imports beers and liquors, and so they had buckets and homemade lemonade, and so amfs Mm. with lemonade and like that was the night i was headbanging on a table to karma chameleon you know you know i it was everyone we all got tie-dye t-shirts we were all wearing bubba's hats we're all drinking amfs i'm sending videos to people like crabe is like what is going on i'm just like (laughs) amfs and they're like how why did you do this to your students like is everyone okay i'm like everyone's actually pacing themselves really well it takes a while to finish a bucket of this you yeah. know it's like dude as soon just, as you really sent me the picture i
1: knew what drink it was i knew I was just, it, it was, was just like i saw like three or four liquors going in there and I, was like, I, could, I, could,
0: I could pour four at a time i was double-headed, I was double-headed. I'm like here we go you know and it was this is next part of
1: the show where we were saying that carlton is
0: now becoming a bartender and is oh gonna, i love it, it yeah. i had so much fun it was it was a blast like And even the locals were having a great time. The students were like, RTA is serving us alcohol. And I'm like, all right, Budweiser, 225 AMF, $12. And just like pouring. And I was just doing shot. It was just, I had such a fun time. I'm so glad Bubba let me behind the bar. It, it was, was not that
1: camaraderie like into the into the students too, right? Like that yeah. created like it just seemed like you guys gelled together. Like yeah. everyone was
0: like just there having
1: a good time, enjoying themselves.
0: The students couldn't bonding. believe it. They're like, where are like, what planet is this where we <laughs> do this stuff? Like, why is our TA serving alcohol? And uh, we're watching the Colorado abs beat the hell out of Tampa Bay right now in the back. You know, it's just like go Avs, you know, um you know what Av won the Stanley Cup, go Colorado. It was just crazy, like it was just this surreal experience and all these kids are coming out of COVID and they get thrown into this field school where who's in, one of the people in charge? This guy, right? They're like <laughs> professional <girl> tend- <laughs> professional by day, like night walker at night, just like doing, you know, bartending night. With, with, with zero training at bartending. And I'm just like, shots, shots, shots. So I might become a bartender. But currently, before I give up on all my hopes and dreams and bartend in Lynch, Nebraska for the rest of my life, where rent, by the way, is only $400. Um, and that's where I'll be moving. It's like, I'll go live in Lynch. I'll, yeah that sounds fine I'll be a, I'll do whatever I'll be a bartender uh, Miss Hesha I have, I love the bartender that works there Misty's the best she's the best but yes yeah, so we all know I got a tenure track position at Indiana University as of Whoa. now my yeah it doesn't look like I have my PhD in hand which is fine they're allowing me till December to have PhD in hand I'm going to be well ahead of that deadline in December even with the backup, because I need to get it done and I have to. So I'll be an affiliate professor of anthropology and curator of public archaeology at the museum and the Department of Anthropology. This doesn't start till August 12th. So I, he sent an email today. I'm like, wait a second, when is actually my first day of work? Do I need to be there August 1st or like August 15th? Because that matters if I need to find <laughs> you know a lot, you know, temporary housing. And so I don't teach the first semester. I get there and I basically curate and get ready to teach in the spring. I don't have a field school for the summer yet. Uh, Mac Corey, um, who's been on this podcast, he has his own IU field school and I don't want to intrude on that because he's been putting so much work into it. So next summer my game plan is now to go back and work at Lynch as an as a affiliate PI and do that with Augustine and CU Boulder. It's, uh, kind, it's kind of wild that they
1: don't, they don't give you, or I mean, I guess it's a blessing and kind of weird that they don't give you a teaching load right up
0: front. It is, but it's part of my. I, I, that was part of my contract, baby. That's what I negotiated. I'm like, I don't want to teach the first semester. I need to, and 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 the and the and the university, the both departments were like, that's that's fair. Like they they know how junior I'm coming in and like the radical change. So I'm pretty. I don't know how I end up in departments that actually care about my well being. Even this job cares about more, and so they really want to mentor me into this and get me ready. And so, um, I have a steep learning curve, and I still have a lot of growing up to do, to go from bartending and and headbanging to karma community. I can't do that anymore. So this was my last hurrah. Some of the students definitely were aggrieved by like how perceivingly wild, you know, like fun I would get. I guess, but I can't do that. You know, I, after this, I have to become. You know, we'll especially, still bring it out of you. We'll yeah. Still we'll bring it out geez, of you. There's a couple,
1: there's a couple of people I think yeah, can bring it out I, of you still. I,
0: I know, but it's one of those things, right? Because I'm coming into this. Like I think of like, you know, Dr. Haas, Dr. Robinson, like postdocs that I knew, like they were in their mid to late thirties. And I'm coming in like at the age of 30 to go teach graduate students and undergrads. And most grad students are older than I am. And it's just like I just reflect on the first time that like David and, and Chris met me. Like I walk in wearing letters They're like, Oh, there's this, we have a Pawnee student. I'm like, yo, what's up, bro. That's me. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm, you know, it's just, it's like, I'm looking at my future and just like, I need to, I don't know what's going on. And so, uh, but I will, I
1: will say like just from my personal parents and that place, and I've told you this before, and I think people on the podcast might even see this, like your development, and you're maturing and everything that you've gone through in these past couple of years has made you into a fantastic scholar, human, friend, researcher, bartender, you know, everything you've really, you've really done. And we've, we've witnessed it before our eyes. And I know there's so many people I've talked to about this and we are just, you know, we're insanely proud of you of all that you've done and the person you've become. And it's been really, it's just been really impressive to watch someone no. grow
0: like you have. No, man, I I deeply appreciate that. Like, I owe a lot of it to like you and Connor keeping me like through this whole you know journey. We started this like right when I like my second semester of PhD, and like you guys have known me from my master's time, and it's and it's like, but you two have always kept me grounded and and you know, like been that constant, and it's it's been and, like I've been. And I get those Facebook notifications. I like look back to like hell gap where I'm wearing letters and I'm harassing a rattlesnake. And it's like, I would never do that now. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I can see it. And it's just like, this, especially this past field school, right. Where it was now I'm a PhD candidate on my way out. And the way I treat students, I treated students this year was much different than what I treated before. And even when I was at Wyoming, it was just like, you know, I didn't, the first two weeks at the field school i was i i didn't like yell to yell it was more like i need your attention listen cuz like right now you're not allowed to think i think for you and then the last three weeks is more of like as colleagues like let's talk this through like what are you noticing like look look look, look at your unit compared to the others like do you see there's a height difference between your pedestals and their pedestals what about the landforms and like really kind of taking that mentorship role of like let's think about this critically and and, and contextualize you're, ex, you're a unit. Your little one by one, as comparison to the other thirty one by ones you have going around, you know, and really having those moments and like teaching, you know, these students uh, in, in, I thought, meaningful ways
1: to go from like because you were you were drill sergeant before is what I think you you
0: called yourself
1: yeah. or like you know, I think that was your approach is like you know we're here to get you into shape and to, to learn stuff you know I'm going to be a little rough yeah but also taking the next step and mentoring and teaching is, is a huge step. I mean, it's not everyone does that well. No, no, not everyone does that yeah. well.
0: It freaked out <laughs> students at first because like it was usually it was like me just kind of being loud. Like, Hey, we need to get this done. Where are you? Like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And there's just one day after I was talking to students at the bar, they were just, they were just like, why are you so like, it's weird. Cause like at excavation, you're an and we're scared of you but at when we're, we're out of excavation like at the house you're so you're just different like what's going on i was and I tried to explain it to him and then the next day we're at work i was like i was like okay i think we've hit that point and so then i was like all right guys let's let's get the site ready like let's go up i need like just and like a bunch of dudes like is everything okay like what's wrong i'm like nothing's wrong like we're just trying to get work done they're like you're not yelling at anyone i'm like i don't need to yell like yeah. oh are you sure everything's i'm like no, no no you guys are you guys are fine and it was I, I and there, I don't know what got into me. It was like when you're closing that putting the site to bed all night. I was just like, all right, guys, let's go ahead and get oh. <laughs> and they're like, whoa, what is happening? Like they were they were just like, wait a second. And and like it just the the, the I just flipped the switch. I'm like, we were do you guys know what you're doing now? Like we should be good to go. And and then I think that changed and I saw a uh, much with the students, they were like, okay, wait you know, towards the end, like they were, they weren't scared to ask me questions anymore. And so like, I, I had a lot of students like approaching me and asking me stuff because like, all right, what's going on? So. Um, uh,
1: I have a question. So did the answers get better? Cause I know
0: you like, you oh put them on
1: so hilariously bad, like everyone failed. I think there was like one question that I saw and all those questions on your stories, they're like, okay, what, what, what pottery types are here? And everyone's like, yeah.
0: They're like drink water, okay. <laughs> and if they got it right, they still to drink water. Yeah. So if those phone people were like, "This is my favorite thing ever. Don't stop this." <laughs> but I think after a while, like Doctor Bamforth and Doctor like Carlton, you need to work, you know, because I just go around harassing students and putting on Instagram. So we didn't give them. I don't. I'm not sure why. Like usually we give students articles to read beforehand. This year we didn't. Like we kind of waited till halfway through. And so that, and then also halfway through, that's when our lectures were. So, like, when we were doing those questions, they shouldn't have known the answers unless they were okay. like, listen, they were, they were, should have been. Li- if they had been listening to us, they would have known it. And also kind of, and so towards the end they after the presentations and the readings and we've given out, then like, Oh, okay. We know what this is. So you got towards the end. there were, you know, and there's still some students that were like struggling, but, but they, got, uh, so they got better. They got better. I was got, like, it got, was just so funny got, to me. I mean,
1: but I also, you're trying to learn like all the excavation techniques and remember everything that you're learning. Like I, it, I get that. That's like an overwhelming yeah, thing. For them.
0: Like, but they all, they all got the hypotenuse of a, of a one by one was a hey. yeah so 1.414 something like that or 1.141 i'd have to look but they got it <laughs> so this people who kept yeah. Math. yeah yeah it's i had perfect. i haven't written down my notebook, you know and <laughs> and there was also like times like because i'd get especially you know how it goes like as the excavation goes on the students get better there's less for a supervisor to do so i just started asking them like when did the paleo indians start and like i and like dr banford dr carlson were just they were, they would just laugh because I would just like pace the units, just like lecturing about like, <laughs> how do we know this? Like, Point why is kidding. I was just like Socrates at the units, just like, just because <laughs> I, and like, it was, it was funny. And like some of my students, like, because there was a bunch there that I had taught like years ago. And it was like crazy to see some of those kids that were freshmen and sophomores that take my class now, seniors and juniors. And there, and it was, what was really fascinating to me is like a lot of them remembered my lectures. And would talk and they're like, oh, yeah, we know this. Carlton went on a fucking rant about this in class. And so <laughs> and so we and so I just kind of go around and like, you know, students enjoyed it. They're like, you know, and I but I started getting in trouble because like then students would stop excavating and think and listen. And then, you know, Dr. Manford, Dr. Carlson and, and the other GA would be like you know, diggy, diggy, you have to talk and answer, like dig and answer and think at the same time. And so I kept getting them sidetracked by just being like monumentality or like, why is collapse problematic? And like, you know, just like, how do we understand? And they're and you know, and the students enjoyed it and I wish I could have done more, but like towards the end, I was getting burnt out from some, for other reasons that were present that I was just like, I was just there to, you know, make sure they weren't messing things up, but I wish I I just can't
1: I just can't picture excavation units any different now. It's like Plato or Socrates, like up at the top, everyone just, just like sitting in this in bright room. pink <laughs> hoodie.
0: Yeah. Just in the short shorts, just with, the, with everyone's just digging away, like looking up like, Oh, we're learning today. But, but one of my favorite things is because there were so many students and like everyone was having, like I was having a hard time remembering students. So I did these like fight club, competitions. So like, I'd like have a proposal and I go around secretly to the students, like who's going to win in this fight. And at first it was just like a straight up fish fight. But then I was like doing goofy stuff like, okay, this man has Hulk cans and this woman has a lightsaber who's winning. And like, I ended up getting like such great matchups that it always came down like 16, 14. Like they got always really close and people were like, well, they, they really had to think. And so I think we had like a whole tournament and trying to figure things out. And it was just like, it was like students, like they would just start dying laughing with some of the ones that I came up with. And so, and, and they just kind of like, how do you think of this? Like, why does, why, why does she have like giant crab claws? Like, where do you think of this? And I'm like, I don't
1: know. It, so, it really is amazing. Like at my field school at at the end of our field school, when everyone's gelling together, and I think it this happens up to most places, is that you get this like, "Hey, you guys just gel together as a team." Yeah. And we had we had a competition where people were, were all wearing costumes, and like there was attalattal competitions, and we were all speaking in accents. Like I was one of the commentators speaking in like a British accent while this is being recorded on something, and like just narrating the whole thing. It just all happens like that. I mean, I know yeah. in Wyoming they had like a they had a beer tasting competition or like a sh- shitty light beer competition to figure out
0: which one was the best. Yeah, like, we had this. we had field school <laughs> games set up so like Olympic style games like ready to go, but just it got to crunch time. We weren't where we needed to be, and so like we weren't able to do some of that. Especially that last week, it was like this is it. And we're not where we need to be, you know, because we weren't where we thought we were going to be and where we were at. So it was like, couldn't do field school games, but uh, maybe next time, you know, it was also like as a GA, right. Especially, you know, I learned a lot from Dr. Banforth and Dr. Carlson, how to run the excavation. Like that's what I was kind of really there for. So I chatted with them about that. Like, how do we, you know, so it was like, even for me, it's still learning. And I think a lot more, graduate students when they're in those roles should remember that you're still, you you know, you're there as an intermediary, like you you were expected to know some things, but also it's okay to ask for advice between other senior graduate students and also the PIs, like you're also there to learn. So that's kind of what I I took from that because I've seen, I've had a host of different experiences, right? Like from high precision, vertical excavations on rock shelters in Wyoming, to like now horizontal you know different strategies of, of excavation and and from from so many different mentors and it's just like how do you synthesize all that like how Bob takes a different approach to Marcel than than Jesse than doug and and and, and Casey like they're all coming at it from different lenses and from different things and it's like I looked at it as like okay, and I reflect on this past field school. What would I have done differently? Because I'm about to be in their shoes in, in two summers that I have to get ready for. Is like I'm going to be running a field school, 31 to 32 year old Carlton. Because my birthday will be in the field. How is how is this clown gonna do it <laughs> in a way that doesn't make people want to burn the site down and leave the field forever? <laughs> so that's you know I saw I've been this past week not only sleeping in and enjoying um, not being surrounded by 35 people in a catholic hospital slash airbnb slash chapel without internet and stuff like now i can't just like ignore people can say oh i didn't have service now i actually have to respond
1: now it's just like what's up to next yeah we'll see what we'll see what what's going on to next and hopefully carlton will be back on another podcast Thank you so much for coming on. Would you choose (laughs) still to live a life in
0: ruins? Yes, Connor, I would. And I'll be on next episode. And for a while, unfortunately, we'll we'll get back onto our regular scheduled programming.
1: Sources or uh, literature recommendations that you have? Uh, Anywhere that can get you on social media? Uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, you guys all know it. You guys all know it. But... (laughs) I do want to recommend, I do, I do for anyone that is interested in Plains Archaeology, which I hope more people do, The Archaeology of the North American Great Plains by Douglas B. Bamforth came out in 2022, Cambridge Press. It's his magnum opus to, I think it's like the first time someone has single authored an entire compendium of Plains Archaeology since Waldo Waitle Waitle in the 1960s. So for those that are interested, Lynch is mentioned heavily in this. I have a little piece where Dr. Bamforth thanks me. Oh. and so if you're interested in Great Plains Archaeology, Lynch is in there and as well as some of the transformative things we're doing so check that, that will out. be in
1: the show notes
0: yes, and it will. anything written by
1: Carlton Gover, just look it up on Academia, there's a ton of it
0: yeah, it's there <laughs> And, oh, uh, by the way, if you're listening to this show in the All Shows feed, please considering subscribing to our show and downloading directly from a Life for podcast. Not only does it help our show grow, but also allows us basically data to give to potential sponsors and advertisers that help support and fund the show. Because eventually, in order for us to do more dynamic and interesting podcast episodes and also content on Instagram and uh, YouTube... It helps that we don't pour all of our money into it. So help us, by nice to make our money. Show. It would be nice yeah. to make money. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right now, it's all pro bono. So with that, we are out. <laughs> Thanks for listening to a Life in Ruins podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at a Life in Ruins Podcast. And you can also
1: email us at Podcast at gmail.com. And remember, make sure to bring your archaeologists in from the cold and feed them beer. So this is Connor's crappy joke time. Crappy joke mm. time. It's the new jingle. What do you call a paper
0: airplane that can't fly? Trash stationary hilarious connor (laughs) (laughs) that's actually really good i like it stationary i like it i like it all right and with that we are truly out this episode was produced by chris webster from his rv traveling the united states tristan boyle in scotland